This is episode number 246. These female mountain bikers are changing their cultural paradigm. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. People didn't accept it. I had some intruders, like people make problems for me. They were afraid of this not being safe for me. And also what people might think about me, like the neighbors, they weren't really happy with seeing me as a woman riding a bike. There is nothing wrong with the sport I'm doing. All I want is just to feel free and do it. And speaking of inspiring stories, wow, you are going to love this episode. This is a really special one for me. In light of the fact that last weekend was International Women's Mountain Bike Day, I was really excited to get this episode together and get it published this week. But before we get into it, we have a new podcast sponsor that I'm really excited to tell you about. All the podcast sponsors that are part of this show are products that I am already using, and I reach out to the brands to see if they want to support the show because I'm so excited about the products. And this one is a non-alcoholic beer and wine company called Groovy, and their website is www.getgroovy.com. When I was pregnant with my son in 2019, 2020, I was sampling lots of different non-alcoholic beers. And that's a habit that has stayed with me after having my son. And while I do drink alcohol, I drink a lot less and I have been enjoying non-alcoholic options. And Groovy is a line of craft alcohol-free beers and wines. They first launched in May 2019 and are a small family and friends startup. Their aim is to bring some life, love, and tasty options to the alcohol-free space. And they believe, just like I do, that a healthy lifestyle involves reducing your alcohol intake, but you don't have to eliminate it completely. And a lot of times we're not really sure how non-alcoholic beer or wine is created. And for reference, most of these, and we call it NA beers, non-alcoholic beers, are de-alcoholized, meaning that the beer is brewed and then the alcohol is removed with high heat or vacuum, which can make it taste kind of weird. But at Groovy, they use a unique process called arrested fermentation, and it uses special yeasts that don't let alcohol set in. So the hops flavors are more prominent, and I also love their stout. The stout is the best non-alcoholic stout that I have tried, so I definitely recommend you check that out. Go to getgroovy.com and you can use Sonia in all caps for 10% off. They also have sparkling wines, uh, no secco slash prosecco and a rosé. And I love all of their products and I think you will too. So go to getgroovy.com and check out these amazing non-alcoholic beverages to supplement your lifestyle. And second, this is just a quick little nudge to check out the Mindset Academy, the Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy. Go to sonyalooney.com or moxieandgrit.com and click Mindset Academy. It's about finding your best. It's about finding that extra edge, that extra 10%. And a lot of people are already mentally tough. But this course, designed for athletes, isn't just about mental toughness. It's about finding fulfillment and finding joy in the daily process and how to deal with the tough things that come up along the way. And this course will not only help you as an athlete, but it'll help you in your life. So go to Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy at sonyalooney.com or moxieandgrit.com, and I'll see you in my course. So let's talk about today's amazing guests. 
This is a little bit different than I've done in the past. It's actually a compilation of four interviews that I did. And in North America, you probably see women riding bikes all the time and think nothing of it. In fact, it's really easy to take for granted our cultural norms. And it's just really different in some places around the world. Like in the introduction, you heard from Iranian Farnak Partoza, who was one of the first women to race and ride mountain bikes in Iran. And it was forbidden by her family because a lot of families think that a woman's virtue is at stake if she's seen riding a bike and their reputation is on the line. Or listen to this quote from Usha Kanal. She's in Nepal. I used to get lots of criticism from my relatives, but I actually never listened to them. They're always like, being a girl, you can't just roam here and there with boys all the time. It's not safe for girls. I used to say that it's up to me how safe it would be because I'm the one who is going to keep the boundary. As you heard, in Nepal, families also are concerned about a woman's reputation and safety if they ride bikes. And what if you also were the first woman in your community to mountain bike, like Krista Castillo that I talked to in Guatemala? Listen to this quote from her. You have to trust yourself. And in this sport, you can learn how to trust in you. I think in life, if you are afraid, you are not doing your best. Fears and all of that kind of insecure things can change everything in your path. There are so many hurdles that these women have had to overcome just to pedal a bike down the street. And I was so excited to record this podcast because these women are challenging cultural norms and they're so passionate and so courageous to go for the things that they believe in. Well, I heard about these women through an organization called World Ride. And you'll also hear from Julie Cornelius at the end of the episode, who is the founder of World Ride. World Ride is a 501c3 nonprofit that works to empower women globally through mountain biking. And they've established programs around the world where they work with local women to create bike libraries so women can get a bike to ride if they don't own one, assist women with leadership and guide training, and support women with their race goals. And as you'll hear in this episode, the more women see other women riding, the more it'll become normal and the more women will get to ride and their lives will be impacted in huge ways. World Ride is currently working with women in Guatemala, Nepal, Iran, and adding to their mission in many new countries. Like right now, they're working on Peru, Botswana, Ghana, and Israel at the time of this recording. This podcast episode was so much fun to put together. It was awesome to get to talk to these women and to connect with them. And it's extra special to me. Mountain biking has profoundly changed my life and it's something I'm passionate about. I really can't imagine my life or my confidence level or anything that I've done without mountain biking. But to hear these stories of courage, of overcoming cultural paradigms, having to convince their families that this is right for them, and the freedom and confidence that resulted from it is amazingly touching and inspiring. These women are changing the world and paving the way for others. So please support World Ride and their efforts to continue building on this global community. And that's at world-ride.com to support this amazing mission. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get a weekly notification of the show. We have incredible guests coming on every single week. And if you want to support my work, you can go to patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show or go to sonialooney.com slash podcast to find the PayPal banner to donate. On Patreon, I have my work and exclusive access to live streams, workbooks, a quarterly mastermind, 
ebooks, discounts, best of the month newsletter, and so much more. I'm working hard to up my game on Patreon to bring you even more value, and it starts at just four bucks a month. Big thank you to those of you who have been supporting my work for a long time. And if you're brand new to Patreon, thank you so much. It means the world to me that you want to support this work that I do. And all of the money goes to pay my audio producer, Roma, who makes sure that this sounds awesome in your earbuds every single week. And last, if you want to hear from me in written form, subscribe to my newsletter at sonyalooney.com newsletter, where I research and write about mindset and motivation every single week, along with a question for you to ponder and a notification of the podcast episode. So let's get into today's incredible episode. I'm so excited for you to get familiarized with these women and to follow their journey. Here is my conversation with Farnak Paratoza from Iran. Yeah, I, I love the passion for cycling and just how it has the power to bring people together and just to change people's lives immensely. Exactly. For me also is the same. I'm I'm impressed. I've been in other sports as well, but none of them like impressed me with cycling, how it affected them my life personally, and then also to help other people understand the like how it can help you in your life, in your attitude mentally and physically how it can change a lot for me it's just like changing from zero to 180 degrees just change so much really i'm not joking or exaggerating even about it yeah so why you said you've done other sports why do you think mountain biking and cycling have made that change for you first of all because cycling is something that you are really interacting with the nature you're completely really in nature and you're enjoying with that this is in all the sports, especially with the sports I was trying them. It was more the indoor sports. So I was all the time in saloons, in the gyms or whatever. And being in nature is really something special and pure about it because you are getting the energy and this special energy from the mother nature. And it is the strongest one. I believe in it. And on the other hand, it is like you can leave cycling. I learned from uh, cycling how to leave really it's affected like in many things like especially with, with mountain bike it comes to these things that the first things that everyone tell you you will go wherever you look so this is also in life you will achieve what you're just thinking and you're looking at it and it is all, all small things that just come and really teach me how to live as well I love that. So how did you get into mountain biking? Because in Iran, do you pronounce it Iran or Iran? Iran, but all the countries out of Iran, they call it Iran. So it's okay, something Iran. familiar. Um, yeah, perfect. It's yeah. Like, what is that like being a female cyclist in Iran? It depends on when you have started it. Like when I started, it wasn't uh, really something real common. And just people like it's. it was usual to see a woman riding on the street. It wasn't usual at all. It was something not really accepted by the culture and people. And uh, it was really hard in the start. And for me, it was also like a challenge, a big challenge to overcome that I convinced my family, which were they, they were really concerned about my future. And they didn't want to risk my future. So they didn't want it that they started cycling. So I had this big challenge to convince them that there is nothing wrong with cycling. This is wrong with the attitude of people, which they need to change. And they will change it eventually. And this starts for me like this. And then it was just exactly like this, that I started cycling with uh, the bike of my 
brother, my older brother. It was two sizes maybe larger than that for for, for me. But uh, I was enjoying riding with it, with each pedal stroke. I, I don't exaggerate about it. I remember that uh, I was daydreaming. I was counting down every day till I can just go ride my bike. It doesn't matter how, but just to just be on bike and go and see and just transfer and see everything. Wow. How did you convince your parents? <laughs> that was a big challenge. This was a process of like more than one year. When I started, they didn't want because as I said, it wasn't really accepted in our culture and people would judge you that it's not something really good. And so they wouldn't like, and it would maybe affect on my future that how people see me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care nothing at all because I was so much in love with cycling and I wanted to experience this adventure. And uh, then my parents didn't want that. I, and we had like a long discussion. They were showing their concern. And then I slowly start uh, to realize how they can feel safer and more secure. That It's not wrong with what I'm doing. And then I started with something that they like with some policy that I do in the way that they like it. I don't go really on the streets, which is really busy and they are really afraid. Or I go in the time which is more crowded that people would see and make like travels for me. So, all right. So your parents, they were worried about, so were they worried about you getting hurt or were they worried about like what other people would think or were they worried about safety? Like, is it actually safe to be a female riding on the streets? Everything. Because as I said, people would, uh, because they didn't accept it. I had some maybe intruders, people would make problems for me and they were afraid of this not being safe. For me, and also what people might think about me, like the neighbors, they weren't really happy with seeing me as a woman riding a bike. And these were all things that they were concerning them. And now I accept, I understand it. But at that time, I was I was also young and I couldn't really accept. And I was thinking all the time, there is nothing wrong exactly with the sport I'm doing. All I want is just to feel free and do it. And you know, the reason that make me stay in that because especially in, in mountain bike I experienced it a lot and also I have been transmitted to other girls in Iran as well that in mountain bike with the small steps with the small skills that you learn and you achieve those your fear and you to overcome your fears you gain this confidence that you are able to do bigger things and you step by step build this confidence and you you believe that you are capable of what you want to do and for me it was like this i was learning from cycling that i should not give up so soon when i like it and i started to fight for this passion i had maybe if there was other things other sports i have been in the end i was gave up on, i was giving up on what i wanted but for this no it was something that i fight and i'm happy and proud about it yeah did anything happen when you started riding outside? Like, did people bother you? And did you get into dangerous situations? Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, it was. There were many cases that comes. But when you're so much in love in something and you are happy about doing something, these things wouldn't bother you for so long. It was hurting me when I see some people, they were hurting me without no reason because I wasn't doing something wrong. But then 
I was persistent and I was thinking they should change their mind, not me. And yeah. I think it it worked a lot. <laughs> Where did this sense of courage and self-belief come from? I would say this self-confidence or this believing in myself started exactly with cycling. With, uh, in mountain bike that I tried to do new things, to try to like go doing those things that scares me. And when I could do them, this would give me the confidence that, yeah, I can do it. I didn't think that I do it, but I could do it. And also this courage, I think, because I loved it. I uh, This love and passion about cycling give me the courage to go over my fears and fight for something that I really, you know, this love goes over this fear. And now you're such an incredible example for other women, like you race World Cups and... <laughs> Yeah, you're, you've completely changed the paradigm of what it means to be a female and ride a bike and you run. Thank you so much. I absolutely like to, for me, it's something, the ultimate goal that I can motivate other people because that in all circumstances, in all conditions, that you can do what you love. It doesn't matter if it's cycling or whatever, because it's not always a smooth journey to what you love it's many times it's really hard up and down of course but for the professional cyclists they know this already but uh, for many people who haven't experienced the uh, being a professional are going to the top they don't know this and maybe many times they give up too soon were there any times you wanted to give up sure there were many times that i was thinking this is too hard i don't think i can do it but just because I've been through too many hard times, too many, all the times I was trying so hard to reach where I am now. It's too hard for me to give up. And I don't give up so soon. It's so, it means to me more than that to just give up fast because I've been through many, many, many bad days and many, many hard times and like fighting for something. I've been through all of this. That It means to me more than that. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like you have had some ups and downs along the way. And each time you do that, you just continue to you build more resilience. Yeah, because also when I started cycling as a professional rider, not really professional, but what it is doing, it is done in uh, Iran. We didn't have any Asian medalists in women and we didn't have the medalists out of Iran. And this is something that was impossible. And they would say women are not able to do this from Iran, that they do something out of Iran to be to achieve something bigger. And so they didn't support us because they didn't believe that we could do this. And I remember that what was one of the biggest things that I wanted to change this impossible to possible. And uh, then I became the first Asian medalist from Iran in women. And this was a big, big honor because now for me, it's something that, that I always, when I hear it, it makes me like proud. When I speak with a, at another girl that she wants to write and she wants, she says, I want also to be among the Asian medalists. It's, it's now possible and they dream about it. But before that, it was really something that nobody was thinking about. They were thinking, okay, that, that's too far. We cannot do this. And this is something that I enjoy seeing it, that I could change this mentality, that they can believe and it's something accessible. Yeah, that's a, a really deep level of purpose and meaning in your life. You know, a lot of people say, well, 
Well, some people say like racing is a selfish act, but there's so much that racing stands for that racing represents that is so much bigger than you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree about that. So how did you come into contact with Julie and World Ride? The passion of cycling, as you said in the start of our uh, speak, that uh, this uh, cycling, love of cycling, bring us together. And as I said, uh, we filmed with the Swiss twins in enduro. They are enduro riders, very professional enduro riders, Anita and Caro Gary. They made a really nice uh, documentary from Iran. It was free riding Iran, and they were showing the scenery, how it is in Iran, and also with cycling for women in Iran. And then I was part of it to share my story and how I reached to this level I am. And then they invited me as well to World Championship in Switzerland, which was a huge thing for me. And it's something that I will never forget about because it was something special and experience for me. And then Julie met, she heard about this documentary and she watched it and she was really impressed. And then we we contacted and we could start to think and uh, we start to speak and then we saw that we have really the same passion. We, we both want to promote cycling and we want to show that cycling is really something that can change and you can feel free and confident, especially for women. It sounds like freedom and confidence are things that you really have connected with and just really exactly. are you know, deep values for you. It is because like the way that like, maybe the culture uh, was here that people, uh, that women don't believe in themselves that much. And uh, cycling, for me, I, I would say like in Iran, it is like this cycling. I've seen that people make uh, help uh, other women to believe in themselves. And also Julie had the same experience. Uh, we travel into some Asian countries, but how the girls were inspired and felt confidence and free and happy to ride their bike. Yeah. Man. And where are you right now? Uh, right now, I am in uh, Tehran, the capital of Iran. I'm not from, uh, I'm from the south of Iran, but I'm now in the capital. I am following some process of my visa to go race in Europe. And I hope it works because with this condition, I don't know how it goes. Wow. That's a lot of uncertainty. How do you, how do you manage uncertainty? <laughs> When I started cycling, everything about my training, even the next day, was about being was uncertain. I didn't know if I can do it or no. So I started like this, and uh, always it was a these challenges I had. It was always like this: Can I do this? Is it possible? And I started to trust the process. And for me, also now it is like that: that I'm really pushing for this to make it happen, to go for the races. But if I cannot, because I have done everything I could, more than even what I should do as an athlete. But if I cannot do it, then at least I have no regrets that it wasn't my fault and I did something not enough. Yeah, so you know that you you just said doing your best is going to be exactly. enough no it matter was, what the outcome. It, it was a race for me and I was doing my best. All I could do, I did it. Even I was doing parts of many other people who didn't do it seems like you have a really strong mindset. And I was just curious how you feel. Like when you get to the start line, you know that you had to overcome a lot of things that the majority of the other women on the start line did not have to overcome to get there. 
Do you ever think about that? And if so, what do you think about? I have been thinking about it. it it's like that uh, I'm being mentally really, really tough. I'm also, because I have a lack of experience in racing, so I'm not really knowing the racing mentality so much because I don't have the experience of, especially in Iran, with the races that I have been done, it wasn't really a high level for me, at least because of the gap I had with the other girls. So my experience in racing is that really a lot. And when I go to the important prices I do in Europe, I've been thinking because it is really hard just to stand at the start line. And sometimes I think, okay, I'm tired when I'm at the start line. I'm, I'm so tired because I'm already fighting so much to come to this point. But I try to do my best. And I know that there are many, many more steps that I should do. If I want to improve and like go and progress more, but, uh, and I'm doing what I can do. And at least I'm trying to do what is in my hand and I can control it and to leave no regrets for myself. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's such an inspiring perspective. And yeah, I hope you get those visas to get to those races. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope to. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people follow all of your adventures and watch you shine and, and, and fly on a bike? Thank you. It's a really kindness. Thank you. I'm a person that I always inspire, but uh, by many, many other people, like following, especially the other writers, how they overcome even the small daily things that they do. Like I also, one time I was uh, reading one of your captions on Instagram about uh, one of the daily things that you were you didn't want to go and bike and you tried. And because it touches my heart because I have also sometimes this experience and it inspires me. Uh-huh. And these daily things that happens to everyone and when we can share it, we can inspire others. And I really like it. Where can people follow you on Instagram? Uh, my name complete, Faranak Fartoza. Okay. It's a bit hard for non-Iranian. Well, I'll put a link in the... I write a blog post for the podcast, so I'll make sure that I put a link to that so people can find you. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> and can you can you just say your like your name and where you're from? I am Faranak Partozar from south of Iran, Shiraz. Awesome. Here's my conversation with Krista Castillo from Guatemala. It has changed me in a lot of ways in my life, like starting with the, with the security and I have lost peers and now I can say I'm more secure about myself and about all my decisions. Like you can apply all this sport in your life. And that is something that until you are with the bicycle, you can discover that. So for me, it's something that has changed my life. I don't know if you have seen a couple of trails or pictures here in Guatemala. We have magical places here. So when you are there, something, it's like something telling you that everything is going to be okay. So for me, it's a very, very nice sport. I start maybe like two years ago. And well, it's something like a challenge. Every day you go out, it's a new challenge. And after you finish the day with the bicycle and with with people that you're knowing, and that is something very nice as well, that you know people around the world and they are trying to do this the same. We help each other 
Um, well, here in Guatemala, it's starting to be like a community. And even that uh, here, there is no too much girls. Now it's growing. And this worldwide community has changed things here in Guatemala also, because I have known a couple of girls doing the same as me. I know she's uh, working with Nepal too, in Guatemala, some parts in Canada, some parts in USA. So I'm very, very, very happy to be part of this worldwide team. Yeah, you mentioned safety, like the bike making you feel like you're safer. Um, how does that show up? Well, because as you know, when we we are like going down, you don't have too much time to take a decision. It's kind of an intuition. Also, like you have to trust yourself. And in this sport, you can learn how to trust in you, like in your movements, in your, in uh, like, don't be afraid. Because I think in life, if you are afraid, you are not doing your best, right? So fears and all of that kind of insecure things can change everything in your path. So for me, this sport, it doesn't have, you don't have too much time to think, but at the same, if you are sure about you're doing right, so everything is going to be okay. Even if you fall, that is also like a lesson for you. Falling is part of the sport, it's part of life. So I think this sport is very applicable for life. Yeah, I'm hearing lots of metaphors there. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I love this. This sport for me has been very, very nice. Yeah. So how has that trust and confidence you've built through bike riding impacted the rest of your life? Well, I didn't know like uh, two years ago that I was going to have this experience and this like challenge. And uh, I don't know, for me, something that that you have daily like you have to do it daily in we are every days we are different right so in the bicycle that is something like a meditation in movement um i was actually daily. wondering like how did you find out about mountain biking because my understanding is that not a lot of women are riding bikes where you are so how did you discover it well i start with a company the old town outfitters basically they offer different tours I'm a volcano guide. That was like my, I, I start with that, going to volcanoes and guiding people. And after that, Chris from Old Town, he met Julie and he connect me with her. So I started with bicycle, like training. And I was like, uh, they want me to see if that was the sport for me. And after a while, I discovered that it was something that I really enjoy. So Julie from Worldride, she started to support me. And they have here a bike library that girls around Antigua, where I live, uh, they can go and they can borrow a bike and we can go together to do some trails and all of that. So I start with this company. They connect me with Worldride. And... Well, now I'm almost the only guide, uh, the girl. Uh, we are 18 and I'm the only girl. So uh, I think it's something that is growing now in Guatemala. Like uh, girls, they really, they are discovering that this sport is not only for men. I think that in another part of the world, 
uh, girls are more like uh, free to do this kind of sports. But here in Guatemala, we grow as a culture, like uh, girls doesn't have to do this kind of sport. So it's something that is changing now. And uh, I'm very happy to be part of that impact or of that change here in my country, because for sure, girls are girls are the best in mountain bike here too. Wow. Like, How do the men feel about that? Because you mentioned that mountain biking wasn't a sport that the girls were doing. And now because of the bike library, um, girls are able to check out bikes and go ride. Yeah. Well, I think that they are all different. Sometimes maybe they feel like a competition, which it's okay for me because uh, I think competition, if you see other way than just win, is something that uh, makes you stronger and makes you go up in this sport. But I think there is a lot of men that they like to share with us and they like to, to be part of this too. Uh, like Chris, Chris is for me one of my best men like in mountain bike like I have trained with him and he has shown me a lot of things about this sport he has supported me a lot also so I think men's are like changing also this is not only for girls like uh changing they have to change a lot of way of thinking right about this <laughs> so for some of the girls that maybe asked you like hey how do I get into mountain biking or where did you get that bike like, what are some of the barriers or questions that some of the other women in your community have for you? Well, uh, first of all, if it's a hard sport, is that hard? Uh, do you think I can do this? Like insecurities at the beginning, the same that I had uh, before. So those are one of the questions where I can find a bike if I don't wa- have one. Well, basically, what I'm doing is just giving the message that I just had a couple of years ago. Like, I start with that fears, and that is part of being a guide with girls. You know, between girls, we can share the energy and the message, too. So this is, uh, after being a sport, it's something also that can change minds, that can change lifestyles that can change our routine, our way of thinking. Like uh, it's kind of the same girls that they are doing yoga or they are dancing, they are doing uh, what they like. Here it's, it's growing. As I said, it's growing. And basically questions are like that, where I can find a bike. I have all the contacts. Girls here around Guatemala can find a, a bike and we can go together to do some beautiful trails. So I, I'm very happy because this is a sport that is growing here around my country. And what's the experience like? Like how many bikes are in the bike library? Like how does that work? Basically, what I know is that they have like uh, six bicycles. But if uh, there is more than six girls, because I'm working in this company, that they are mountain bike guides too so we can find more than six bicycles that is something very very nice because between war ride and all town outfitters where i'm working with too they are working as a friendly way they all want to support this sport and it is i know that it is because here in guatemala 
there is infinity, infinity trails, magical trails around Guatemala. If you have the opportunity to come here, it's going to be a pleasure for me to show you all around. Uh, it's beautiful going around the volcanoes. We can have volcanoes so close. And so I, I know that people all around the world that has come here to Guatemala, they can say the same thing that I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful country to go around in a bicycle. And it's uh, now that we are living this pandemic, I think it has changed us a lot, right? So for me, the bicycle has uh, saved me in in uh, a lot of ways. So yes, I hope you can come someday to Guatemala. And I you definitely will see that come. I'm, I'm saying <laughs> the truth. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that, you know, riding the bike, has all these different metaphors for, for life, trust and confidence and, you know, changing the culture and the lifestyle, especially as more women do this as well, because it empowers you and makes you realize you're so much more capable than you ever realized that you were. But it sounds like for you, you know, even before you picked up the bike, you're someone who's really brave, somebody who maybe does things that other people aren't already doing because you're a trailblazer. Where did you get that confidence to be a person and a female who's like, I'm going to be the first person and I'm going to set the example? Like, where did that come from? Well, I think that since I was a child, I was uh, like, we grow in different environments. And for me, the key for doing what I'm, what I love is like going inside before going outside, Right. You have to know yourself before you want to take any decision in your life. If you don't know yourself, you are if you are not your best friend, there is no way for you to take decisions, to trust in you, to trust in... Because at the end, everything is a mirror. And if you trust yourself, so everything outside is going to be part of that. So what I think that uh, has made me this way is the, my parents... Since I was a child, they told me that as long as I love myself and as long as I don't lie, if I don't lie to myself, then everything is going to work. So even that life is hard, even that we have a lot of problems daily, everything changed. As long as you go inside instead of going outside, everything is going to be okay. And I remember that I was a uh, dancer since I was like maybe three years so I'm a very active person I'm a dance teacher I'm a volcanoes guide I'm uh, I, I have I love rafting so this is something like a school for me I'm, I have grown in a lot of uh, different sports but at the end all of them has helped me to be like to need the, that confidence in me if and I'm the kind of girls that say I will do it I will do this even that I'm afraid right like fears can't be more like bigger than you they have to be smaller than you so basically that like you have to be your own best friend and after that everything is going to show their way 
I love that. That's so beautiful what you said and so true. It's not easy at times to be your own best friend and to trust yourself and to be kind to yourself. But yeah, the bike is such a great tool for that because you have to face sure. that almost every day. When you, Every time you ride, you have to face yourself. Sure, sure. And it's it's beautiful how you can control not even not only your mind because you have to to control your mind, but after a while you start to discover the, that we are perfect as a human because we can control our movements, our shoulders, our arms, your legs. Everything is in the same uh, like dance. It's like dancing, right? Like. You have to be connected with yourself, with the environment, with the trails, with the trees, with the air, with everything. Yeah, it's beautiful, the connection that you can have just by using your bicycle and going up and going down. For me, it has been like a therapy. Awesome. Well, I think it's really incredible what you're doing. And I'm so glad that World Ride exists so that you can have a bike to ride you can inspire other women and you can change your culture like it's it's so inspiring and just amazing and thanks for sharing your story where can people follow along if they want to watch your adventures and watch you continue to grow as a mountain biker and bring more women under your wings well they can find me in worldwide the page in instagram it's worldwide they can find me also in old town not feeders page in instagram and well i'm krista and uh, I'm from Guatemala, and uh, they are sharing all always like stories about girls here in Guatemala, in Nepal, in in different places. They can find me there, and for sure, there is some, some different stories. I'm not the only girl that has this experience. I know all experiences are different, but I'm not the only girl that has changed their life by using a bicycle here in Guatemala. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Here is my conversation with Usha Kanal from Nepal. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's so great to talk to you. I was so excited whenever uh, Julie said, hey, I have someone in Nepal for you to interview because Nepal is one of the coolest. Well, it is the coolest place I've ever been. So (laughs) thank you so much. Thank you so much for making remembering me and it's so nice to open up about you know like being a girl and it's so good to share the experience thank you so much yeah when i was in nepal in 2012 and 2013 there there weren't really there's only one female i saw period riding a mountain bike and there was there was hardly any women in the race that i did so mm-hmm. what's it been like for you like how did you find mountain biking how did you start um started mountain biking as um, a hobby. I just met one friend who used to bike. So I was I just got interested in mountain biking and I know I just started as a hobby and I ended up racing and doing this amazing things. I can't I mean when I look back, I was like, oh I started from there and well, it's fun. I, I don't think I ever have to I've never looked back uh, since I started mountain biking. So I find it really fun and it's it's very cool. I'm very happy that I started mountain biking. And were there other women mountain biking when you were, like, when you first started? Yeah, as you said, when you came in Nepal 2013, 2013, there was just one girl. So I just used to see her and maybe a few, two or three other girls. That's it. I think that's what attracted me a lot because they were very, 
very, very few number of women who used to ride bikes. So that was the main thing. I was like, why are there no any women riding bikes? Just two to three. You could count them in like, you know, in your fingers. So I was like, okay. It was fun. So very few. When I started, I just knew like three women who used to ride professionally and few like rally riders. Yeah, and for most people, if they saw not that many people doing it, then they wouldn't think, oh yeah, not many people do it. I should do it. But you you thought that. So what yeah. do you think, like, where does that self-belief come from? Well, I was always into sports right from my school level. So I used to do running before I started cycling. So I went there for actually running events and I saw bikes and there was this, you know, Nishma. Nishma was the only downhill girl. So I saw her and I found that really, really cool. She was just flying on a bike, riding down. And I, I found that really, really cool. I would say if, if I have to say what made you get into mountain biking, I would probably say Nishma because she was the only girl who was riding downhill among like 30, 40 boys. And I, I really found that really cool. And I was like, oh, maybe I should start that. And I know I just found it interesting. It just took my heart and everything, mind, everything. And like in terms of confidence, how did mountain biking change your confidence? Like you mentioned you were an athlete before and a lot of times doing a different sport gives you confidence, but did mountain biking change that for you? It changed a lot. I mean, it gives you lots of confidence and um, it actually gives you the, um, like you can make decision right there. Earlier, maybe like when I used to do other sports, I was like, I was not sure, but when I got into mountain biking, it gave me like, you know, it, it makes you have the right decision. Not right, actually. I mean, it makes you take your own decision. I would say it has given me lots of confidence and the community we are in. So it has given me a lot. So it has helped me to build a lot of confidence. And I would say it was a life changing for me. Wow. And have other women asked you about mountain biking? Yeah, there are lots of women who wants to start and they ask us, how do I start? I want to start because we also started from the ground level. So they always ask us, how did you start this? And how are you into this? And many people ask us, how do you balance between your work and being an athlete? How do you balance all this family and being in Nepal and being a Nepali girl? We always like 27 still living with our family. We are still together in family. So we have to look after family as well because we travel a lot being an athlete and we need to train a lot. So so how do you balance all of that? <laughs> well, actually, I quit my work and uh, I started working as a mountain bike guide. That's how I'm connected to World Ride as well. So I quit the um, like office job and then I started riding and doing this um, trekking guide, mountain biking guide. and. Uh, the main thing is the family understands. Earlier family, my family, they never understood what it is like. They were always like, why is she going out always? What is she doing? She always takes her bike, takes a bag and just goes out and vanish for like a week or two. Where does she go? So, I mean, they now know it and they're pretty much proud of me. So the family is good now. <laughs> Are there any other female mountain bike guides that you work with? Yeah, um, Nishma herself is a guide and Rosa is also a guide. And there's one other girl, Dolma, she's also a guide. We like, there are four 
actually certified guides in Nepal, I would say. A topic of conversation amongst most of the guests for this segment has been about paradigm shifting and how in your respective countries, you are basically trailblazers, creating a new path for other women to follow. And sometimes that can be really Mm -hmm. difficult. Like for some places, the men are very accepting of that and other places they aren't. So what's that been like for you, you know, becoming a female mountain biker and a female guide and mixing it up with the guys? First thing is, um, I would say we are Nepal. I would say Nepal and India, we're very much different from other countries, like in terms of female as well. Opening up, it's really, really different. It's not like you can go out anytime. You can you need to take like good permission from your family because you stay in a family. So it's kind of a little bit hard to open up and come in a not only in mountain biking, but coming into sports like this where you need to travel a lot, where you are exposed a lot. It needs a lot of confidence and um, I mean the lots of family support as well. If the family is not supportive, I mean it's really hard for you to get into any kind of sports. So it has been really hard for me as well when I first started. I used to get bruises and um, I broke my legs, hands, everything. And it was really hard to convince them because they were really concerned about my health. It's like, you are a girl, you need to get married, you need to stay beautiful, you need, you can't have any bruises. Like, what will you answer when you go to your in-law's house? So those were the things me and like Nepalese parents are concerned about. Because they are supposed to give their daughter in a beautiful way to their son-in-law. So it's kind of, well, it has been a tough path. Actually, when I look back, I like, I think first two or three years, it was really hard. And um, well, now they understand. So it's good for my, good for my aspect and my family. So, but again, being a female guide, you know, the way people look into like guides, it's very different. Even to male guides, it's very different. And also being a female guide, it's really different. Like people, it's a different, it's, people look into the guide in a very different way. But there are some people who find it really, really, you know, oh, wow, you're a female guide and um, guiding like two, three guys. They find it really cool. But some people still, they have a different way of looking into it. But, you know, you need to open up and just, I just go with the flow. For me, I don't just care what others say. So I just go with the flow and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that must have been um, really challenging to kind of go against what your family wanted. And, you know, you're living with your family and there's a specific sort of gender role that you're supposed to play. And causing some waves in that must have been just really hard. And again, goes back to that deep form of self-belief and the types of criticisms that you might have received? I would just talk in terms of me because uh, I can't really talk about others who are how they feel, but it's kind of similar. Like when I, I I used to get lots of criticism from my relatives and um, friends who are supportive, but um, especially I would say my family, not family members, but of course family members and relatives. So, but I actually never listened to them they are always like being a girl and you can't just roam here and there with boys all the time. It's not safe for girls. But I used to say that it's up to me how safe it would be because um, I'm the one who is going to keep the boundary. So I would just simply not listen to them and just answer to them. That's none of your business. 
I'm doing great. <laughs> hey, you have a lot of courage. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I know that you were involved with the Moksha documentary, like you were in the documentary. Yeah. And you're part of World Ride. Can you talk more about that? Yes. It's actually very exciting thing that ever happened to my life. Uh, moksha. Uh, so before that, I was just a um, rally rider. And um, I was into cycling, but I was not really into this um, little bit. I was not that much serious. So when Moksha happened, it was uh, actually a life-changing thing for me. It was, um, that's when I got to start everything like guiding. And that's from, that's when I I got like um, races invitation and I got into races seriously. Yeah, flaming with moksha and getting to know other women as well. It was really nice. I used to, I got to know Nishma and Rosa very well. Even we are from the same community and same country. We didn't know each other well. I just knew her, knew their names. Actually, we were not that close. So, but after that movie, it brought us very close that we are really good friends now. And we tend to support each other, like in whatever. And after moksha, it was... Yeah, as I said, life-changing and we got connected to Worldlight as well. Julie, she has done a lot for us, uh, not only just movie, but setting a world ride and uh, doing the rides. It was, uh, it's nice. I mean, it's a good platform for the women who want to get into mountain biking and, um, you know, not having job. It's kind of really hard. So what you can do is um, do mountain biking guiding. And you can earn some money at the same time. You can do the training as well. And at the same time, you get to know so many amazing people from all over the world. It's so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. It's just, I love hearing stories about how finding the, a mountain bike changes your life. And it, it changes everybody's life that gets on a bike and starts riding. And you just never know where it's going to take you. Exactly. It changes. <laughs> it has changed. I have seen it right after I started mountain biking as well. I've seen lots of women getting into mountain biking and uh, I see how they have changed from a shy girl to a confident girl. I think it changes everybody's life. Definitely. Yeah. And how does World Ride, like, do they have a bike library in Kathmandu or how does it work over there in Nepal? Uh, We have um, an organization called Ladies Mountain Lake. So actually it's for Nepali girls here, but for World ride. If somebody wants to do a trip, they can bring their own bike. Or there are many bike shops in Kathmandu. They can always hire bikes. On Ladies Mountain League is all about like supporting Nepali women. So it has got few like beginners introductory bikes, so they can take the bikes and ride their bikes and bring it back. Yeah, that's such a great thing to have because. Bikes are expensive and especially like if you're, you mentioned like, you know, most girls live at home with their parents when they're, you know, younger and, or I don't don't know, how long do you live with your parents when you're a female in Nepal? Until we get married. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, until you get married. My mom actually wanted me to live at home until I got married in the States. My mom's Uh. not, my mom's not from the US, but yeah. So I, I totally understand that. And yeah, so if you don't have the support of your family necessarily and bikes are expensive, then how are you supposed to start? So that's great that there's this program where, you know, if a woman wants to ride a bike, she can. Yeah, that that has brought lots of women, I would say. That yeah. helps a lot. Personally, also, when like when I started biking, I was doing a job, but I couldn't actually 
you know, do all the things. Um, the salary was not enough. So I found it really hard in the beginning. But I see now Ladies Mountain Bike is providing bikes plus helmets. And um, plus we get donations from Club Rides and other uh, Julie Sensor, uh, some stuff. Um, so it's helping lots of uh, women, beginners, women mm-hmm. who doesn't know where to start from and how to get it. And also in Nepal, even if we have money, it's really hard to get some things like yeah. biking stuff. So it's hard. So And then Ladies Mountain Lake is providing. It's like a, even a little bit help is a big for us. So yeah. Has anyone in your family started mountain biking because they saw you do it? Um, no. (laughs) Well, I'm probably the first family member to be in any kind of sport. Okay. Um, My sisters are, I mean, not mine one, but my uncle's daughter's sisters, they're already married and they're already set. I'm the only one who's in the sport. And and the Himalaya. (laughs) Yeah. They get jealous of me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Where's your favorite place to ride? I love to ride in Annapurna Circuit. That's my favorite, personal favorite. It's um, lots of climbing, good descent, <laughs> and lots of good views. Lots of elevation. <laughs> lots of elevation, 5,400. <laughs> does, that, does that bother you? Like, Do you feel that elevation when you're up there? Not that bad. Actually, everyone, I feel a little bit. You know, the elevation, 5,400, it's not a joke. So I, I feel a little bit when I'm doing the pass, but... Otherwise, um, I find it really fun. It's really and for those fun. listening, five thousand four hundred. That's meters, so it's almost eighteen thousand feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for most mortals, like me and everybody else listening, we would feel that, but but Usha doesn't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel a little bit. I won't lie. I do feel a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's really great talking to you. If people want to follow you or, or ask you questions or, you know, when this COVID pandemic is gone, have you guide them on a trip? Where can they find you? They can always message me. Um, I'm into social media, Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram, Usha Kanal everywhere. Or they can always send me an email, uwswa123 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's how you, or yeah, ask me for my WhatsApp number. We can always connect. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm so like thankful that I got to talk with you and getting to spend time speaking with a, a female Nepali mountain biker and hearing about your life has been just really inspiring for me. And I'm excited for other people to learn about you too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so nice to always share about how we went through and um, tell people how is it like to be in Nepal and they can at least understand that, okay, how is it to be be a woman in Nepal and still like get into the sports, outdoor sports. So it's so nice to always share the story and um, inspire others. And uh, I hope I can bring other Nepali women as well. I always work on that. But, you know, it's really, it's expensive sport in the first place. And secondly, it's outdoor sports. So, but I hope I can inspire. I mean, oh, you are. I mean, some people <laughs> get inspired, but I hope I can inspire more people, more women, and bring them out. And thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak up. Here is my conversation with founder Julie Cornelius in Moab, Utah. Julie, I'm stoked to talk to you about World Ride. Yeah, I'm very excited to chat with you as well. Yeah, so 
a lot of people listening probably have never heard about it. So I guess we can start with you telling us what it is. So uh, Worldride is a 501c3 nonprofit with the mission of empowering women globally through mountain biking. And for people that don't know what a 501c3 is, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so we're a U.S.-based nonprofit. So we have 501c3 status, which means that donations are all tax deductible. So like an official charity. Awesome. And how did this start? Um, Worldride actually started out of a project that I was kind of working on about five or six years ago. And the project ended up turning into a film called Moksha, which tells the story of three ladies mountain biking in Nepal. And I wanted to do something that would help out in Nepal after the really devastating earthquakes that they had there. And the project kind of evolved into the film. And I knew going over there that I wanted to continue to do something that would give back and help out. And I didn't really know what it would be until I got there and realized I just really wanted to help get more women into mountain biking. And I didn't want to just stop in Nepal either. So I started World Ride working in Nepal and have since expanded and we're continuing to expand to as many places around the world as possible. And what is World Ride doing in these communities? We do a few different things that really help to just to help grow the women's mountain bike communities in the places that we work. So one of the things that we do is we establish bike libraries that women can borrow bikes from. And we partner with some local companies or organizations that help to kind of put together weekly group rides, you know, help us to maintain the bikes when we're not around. And, and then we also help with some leadership training for some of the women, as well as uh, guide training. And one of the things that World Ride does is we organize mountain bike trips to all of the locations that we work in, which is a really fun way for kind of the greater community to get to connect with the women that we work with by getting to go and mountain bike in the amazing places that these women get to live in. And yeah, just get to experience the cultures and and also get to meet some of the ladies firsthand and really see what a difference mountain biking has made in their lives. And what countries is this currently in? So we currently have like active projects in Nepal and Guatemala. And we have been working on some other projects in um, a few other places that have, things have gotten a little bit delayed with COVID, but we've got, we're working on projects in Peru, Lesotho, um, Botswana, hopefully Ghana. We're working with a woman in Iran. And I actually just had a phone call this morning with uh, some people in Israel. So cool. There's actually a mountain bike stage race in Israel, too. (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah. I've never done it, but yeah. Yeah. I've seen some pictures of the riding there and it looks amazing. So I'm hoping to get to go over there and kind of touch base and see how we can work with the organization there. So how do you go about setting these up? Because it sounds so great, like having a bike library and, you know, being able to maintain these bikes and having leaders in the community. But you're talking about countries where, honestly, like a lot of people wouldn't know where they are on the map and being able to organize all those things and also, you know, the funding of getting bikes over there and maintaining. How do do you do all of that? We are really grateful to have some amazing local partners in each place that are really committed to our mission and that really want to, you know, help get more women into mountain biking. So 
you know, we partner with them and we're in constant communication to just see how things are going, see like what they need, you know, getting pictures of the, the weekly rides, which is always really fun. And yeah, and each place is a little bit different. You know, we do try to kind of tailor what we do to each community just to make sure that it works in each place. And as far as fundraising goes, our main fundraising has been through like different events. We host online movie nights that feature women's mountain bike films. And those have been a really, really fun way, not only to raise money, but also just to connect with the community and really kind of shine a spotlight on women's mountain biking and, you know, help inspire people through some awesome films. And we have sweepstakes that go along with each one of those that people can win prizes from our really awesome sponsors. And yeah. What are some hiccups that you've had along the way with some of these, um, get it, just working with some of these organizations or just things that popped up that were challenges that you didn't anticipate? Yeah. I mean, working in all of the places that we do, it can be a little bit challenging. You know, one of the other things that we've been working on for a few years now is helping to organize some pump tracks. And we've partnered with Bella Solutions and their Pump for Peace project, which uh, they're working to build pump tracks in developing countries, which is a, a really awesome project. And it, you know, something that we'll, we're hoping will benefit all of the communities and the women that we work with. And we kind of had no idea that it was going to be as challenging <laughs> as it was to to build these pump tracks in some of the places that we work. We've been working on a pump track in Nepal for about two years now. And just, you know, trying to get the land and everything lined up. I mean, we thought we had everything lined up, you know, well before COVID. And then it just kind of has fallen through. So we're just trying to go different routes and yeah, I mean, I think it's just a the way that we realized we have to we just have to be patient and understand that things work a little bit differently in some of these countries. It's it's all worth it just seeing the women and seeing how stoked they are just riding bikes and how confident they are, you know, outside of bikes based on some of that confidence they gain by learning what they're capable of on mountain bike. So. Yeah, the smile on your face. People can't see it cuz they're listening, but it definitely conveys <laughs> how excited you are and how big of a difference this is making. So what are some of the paradigm shifts that you've seen? Like you just mentioned the confidence that people gain on the bike affect them in their lives. And some of the women that I've interviewed was really apparent that some other women had never really ridden bikes before and it wasn't seen as a normal in their culture. So what paradigm shifts have you noticed? You know, everywhere that we work, it's it's not really accepted for women to do sports and outdoor activities and, you know, especially mountain biking. So yeah, the women that we work with are so strong and amazing and to just kind of fight for what they love and to be able to participate in a sport that they really love. And it's been really cool to see, see that paradigm and that belief start to change. I know that they're still fighting against beliefs from a lot of people in their countries, but I think it's helping that they're, you know, recruiting more ladies and, you know, kind of increasing numbers, which is, I think, helping to hopefully normalize just seeing women on mountain bikes. So, yeah, I think for a lot of people listening, it's hard to imagine that 
it's just not normal to see girls on bikes because of where we live. We're so fortunate. And there are people around the world that listen to this podcast. But for the vast majority, you're not if you're a woman out on your bike, it's just like you take it for granted that it's just the norm and that you're not having to push up against expectations and shift what it means to be almost almost what it means to be a female. Yeah, definitely. And like on that same line, has the organization World Ride received any like pushback because of what you guys are doing? Luckily, we've really had just so much support. I mean, people hear what we're doing and they're just really excited to get involved or just see how they can help, which has been really cool. We've been pretty fortunate in that that aspect. And in terms of the bike industry and support, I know that World Ride has some sponsors that you guys work with. And you mentioned sweepstakes for some of the movie nights and things like that. What has that industry support look like? And are there any brands that you particularly want to shine a spotlight on for their help? Yeah, we definitely really have had some amazing support from a lot of companies, either with helping support our movie nights and sweepstakes or sending gear to the ladies. Yeah, Bell and their and the Bell Joyride program has been amazing. Shredley and Club Ride have been really awesome. Yeah, there's just a lot of awesome companies. We we partnered with Transition Bikes last year. Uh, they helped us do a big bike giveaway fundraiser which was really cool and we also did a movie night with the ladies of transition this was really fun they got they picked all their favorite movies so yeah all right well i love this intro to world ride that you gave us and i'm looking forward to highlighting some of the women's i hope you guys enjoyed that episode and that different format that i tried I am looking to do more of this in the future and supporting people as much as I can. Don't forget to share the show. Don't keep me a secret from your friends if you're finding this show valuable or inspiring. And I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day.